comes in the next few weeks. This is what we believe. The first part of this pattern of M3 is to prioritize mission. And the second part is mercy. Mercy is a, comp- is a position of compassion instead of judgment. Mercy is when we have the opportunity to pass judgment, or we have the opportunity to, to punish, or the opportunity to enforce power over someone. Or mercy is when we have the right to ignore or disregard someone, but instead we choose to show compassion. We show undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. And we've sung about it a lot this morning already, and I'm so thankful that God has shown me undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. And mercy motivates us to act in such a way that meets people where they are, that sees and meets their needs rather than acting out of a desire to achieve what we want to achieve. Mercy that recognizes and cares about both the practical and spiritual needs of people is the mercy that we're talking about in M3. Now, last week, Carl quoted William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, and I think it's just such a powerful and moving quote that I want to share it again. You cannot warm the hearts of people with God's love if they have an empty stomach and cold feet. And William Booth lived that message out in his life, and that's where the Salvation Army started. How can we possibly tell people that we care about their eternity if we don't show them we have any inclination to care about their today? They can't receive it. Operating out of a heart of motivation of mercy opens the door to be able to speak to people about the love and hope that is found in Christ. Practical help given in love and compassion without judgment opens the human heart to receive the reason for why you show compassion. It's because of Jesus. It's because of the love, mercy, and forgiveness he has already shown us that we want to share with them. Philippians 2, uh, verses 1 to 4, puts it this way. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. Mercy is living a life that is motivated and comforted by the love of God for us, which leads to a deep love for others. 1 John, 1 John 4.19 expresses it very simply. We love because he first loved us. That is what we believe mercy is all about. Showing mercy to others is a response to God's mercy for us. Having mercy is one of the priorities of the Thanksgiving faith offering allows us as a church to immediately respond to the needs of people. And it positions the church as God's hands and feet on the earth to help the hurting and to show unreserved kindness and compassion to those in need. And if you haven't seen the video from a couple of weeks ago where we talked about what we've been able to respond to right in the moment over the last year because of M3, then please have a look at that on YouTube when you get a chance. And I recognize that learning to put others' needs and interests ahead of our own is a lifelong battle. It keeps, you keep thinking you're getting it right, and then it creeps up again. It's something we learn to get better at over time. 
And after the service today, you'll probably notice that the adults, for example, find it easier to hold back from the morning tea than the kids do. You know, I get it. That's just how things are. It's a journey. It's a, it's a process. But in this M3 season, it's another opportunity for us to realign our priorities with God's priorities, to remember afresh what Jesus told us were the greatest commandments, to love God with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strength, and to love others as ourselves. We're all called to be a part of that. Here's another William Booth Salvation Army quote. Not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face, whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. He didn't hold back, William Booth, did he? We are called to publish... God's mercy to the world, both by meeting the practical needs of those around us and by putting Christ at the center of everything we do. So we prioritize God's mission to make fully devoted followers of Christ, that none would perish but would have eternal life and would know the love of the Father. And because of God's love evident and at work in our lives, we want to show mercy compassion, and care to people wherever we go, seeing and meeting both their practical and their spiritual needs. And from that pattern of mission and mercy, the church will continue to see forward momentum. That's M3, mission, mercy, momentum. These three words, these three ideas, working in concert together is the pattern that we feel we've been given as a church. We don't strive for momentum first. We don't strive for momentum without remembering why the church even exists in the first place and prioritizing the mission that the church has been given. But we don't go after the mission without seeing and meeting both the spiritual and practical needs of people and treating them with compassion, grace, and mercy. And when we prioritize mission and operate out of mercy, then we know God will continue to build his church and we will see momentum. And why do we want momentum? We want momentum that will bring increased capacity to be on mission in the world and increased capacity to act with mercy and compassion to the world. That's the momentum we are looking for. You know, we see this pattern of mission and mercy actually demonstrated by Jesus numerous times in the Gospels. A passage in Matthew chapter 14 I want to look at with you. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. 
The story begins with when Jesus heard what happened, and it's actually Jesus has received some pretty difficult news. John the Baptist, a man that Jesus knew, a man that he had close connections with and was in fact related to, had been executed by King Herod. And now Herod was starting to hear about Jesus and was starting to turn his attention to Jesus. So in this challenging, difficult time, even a time of grief and suffering at this news, Jesus responded by withdrawing. He went to a solitary, remote place. And when he arrived at this solitary, remote place, he found a large crowd. Don't you just hate it when that happens? It's a bit like when school teachers go on holiday and see half their kids... (laughs) There, like, or when any mother tries to go anywhere on their own. <laughs> but really, it's actually worse than that because Jesus wasn't just trying to get away, he was actually processing his own challenge, his own grief, his own difficulty. But even in that pain, even in that grief, Jesus looked on the crowd and he saw their needs, he saw their pain, he saw their suffering, and it says he had compassion on them. And he spent the whole day ministering to them and healing the sick. We see both mission and mercy in this. He was fulfilling his mission on earth. He was fulfilling his calling, but he was moved by compassion for the people. He was motivated by mercy. Then the disciples come along at the end of the the day, what was probably a very tiring day of ministry, and they say to Jesus, we've got a problem. The people are hungry. So the disciples saw that there was a need. They see that there's an issue here. It's not just a spiritual need now. It's a very practical one. The people are hungry and there's no food. They need food. So the disciples saw the need. But their solution was to simply send them away, to let them go. They can go and find food in the nearest villages. But Jesus turns it back on them. He says, no, 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 they don't have to go away. You feed them. You give them something to eat. And Jesus is training them here to care for the whole person. Jesus is driven by compassion, and he hadn't yet finished ministering to the people. He was there to meet both their spiritual and their practical needs. And then as you read on, we see that he does, in fact, meet those needs in an incredibly miraculous way. There's so many stories like this when you read through the Gospels and you see Jesus encounter people. In Mark chapter 5, we read about a little girl, the daughter of a synagogue leader named Jairus. And this girl is dying, and they plead with Jesus to come and heal her. But by the time Jesus got to the house, the girl was already dead. But Jesus goes and takes her by the hand and declares, Little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately she stood up and began to walk around. I mean, this is a whirlwind of a story. This takes place, and she's dying, she's dead she's alive, like this is pretty fast stuff. But even that isn't the end of the story. Even after the miracle, even after Jesus has resurrected this little girl, he turns and says to the family, now give her something to eat. She still has practical needs that have to be met. Jesus cares about every detail of her life. It wasn't just that he raised her to life, but he desired that her hunger be cared for as well. It's pretty amazing. I was joking with people the other day that if it had been a teenage boy, Jesus would have fed him first and then raised him to life, just taking care of the highest priority first. 
In John chapter 4, we read of another encounter. Jesus has been traveling, and it says he is tired and weary from the journey, and he sits down by a well. And by that well, he meets a Samaritan woman. So Jesus begins to talk to this woman, which in itself was a cultural taboo. There was just no way a Jewish man would ever speak to a Samaritan woman. There were so many lines that had to be crossed to do that. But Jesus speaks to her with grace and compassion and respect. He starts to introduce himself. He begins to reveal to her the truth of who he is. He even reveals to her that he is the Messiah. He reveals that he knows so much about her life. He knows that her life has been a mess, but he still treats her with grace and compassion. You know, Jesus had every reason not to engage with this woman. He was tired. He was weary. He was sitting down waiting for the disciples to bring back food and drink for him. And for him to have ignored her wouldn't even have technically been ignoring her. It just would have been the socially correct thing to do. But instead, moved by compassion, out of mercy, he begins speaking to her. He reveals to her the life-changing truth that we are deeply loved by God regardless of our past. And you need to understand that sometimes mercy can simply be spending time with people and being willing to talk about the hope you have in Christ. That can be motivated by mercy. And as we read further into this story about the Samaritan woman, we find that the mercy Jesus shows her results in an incredible sense of momentum in the mission. John 4, verses 39 to 42. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Because he spoke to this woman with mercy. The mission is to be driven by mercy. But mercy is to be driven by the mission. These two things are completely intertwined. They are connected. They are both on God's heart. And we really feel like this is a time in church history where God is resetting and re-emphasizing both priorities as important. You look over history and you can see that the church worldwide has had seasons where each one of these has had a different focus or has been elevated in a different way. Times where it has all been about practical help and other times where it has all been about the mission and revealing the truth of Jesus. But we believe God is calling us again as his people to understand the need and responsibility for both. As Carl emphasized last week, this season is about our heart response. God is asking us to come back to a heart of worship. Every week we say again and again that we believe our giving is part of our worship, and we really do believe that. We don't want to make our M3 giving about things or about numbers. It is an act of worship, and the object of our worship and our giving is Jesus. You know, that doesn't mean that the church won't spend money on things. Of course we will. We do. We all do. We will continue to do everything that we can to resource the mission, and we will continue to do what we can to be positioned to act out of mercy whenever the need arises. We want to continue to support and resource our mission partners, both overseas and locally. 
And we want to continue to resource and staff what it takes to move further and have greater impact in the online mission field that we now find ourselves in. And then in particular, for us here at Selwyn, we want to be able to establish a physical presence through the purchase of land in this area for the purpose of building a home for Selwyn Life Church. You know, that's always been a possibility since we started here and planted here in 2018. It's always been on our heart, but that desire and that purpose has continued to grow. We want to be able to say to this community that we are here to stay. We want to say that we're a generational church. We're not just temporary, that we are here to serve the community and to preach the gospel here in Lincoln and throughout Selwyn for many, many years to come. You know, we're all thankful for the opportunities that we've had here at the event center and at the high school, but we believe that by having a physical presence through the week, a building that we can call our own, we are able to engage with the community in a much more permanent and meaningful way. See, the other thing it does is it invites the community to actually engage with us as a church in a way that currently cannot happen because we don't have an established presence through the week. We believe that a building gives us great momentum to fuel the mission and to show mercy. And we also recognize that that is something that cannot be achieved by just a few people. But the M3 season invites each one of us to partner in that journey, to open our hearts to what God is saying, and then to respond out of love and worship to Him. So next Sunday... The 29th of May is our Thanksgiving Offering Sunday. So we've only been talking about it a couple of weeks, so it's here, it's on us, and really just invite you to be thinking about it and praying about it. As Joe said, this will actually be the first one we've been able to have here. Two years ago, uh, there's been lockdowns that we haven't been able to use it. Uh, Last year, I think there was flooding, and suddenly this whole building got converted into a um, civil defense shelter for people, Um, and that happened on a Friday night or a Saturday morning, and we had to ring the church and say, we're not here, guys, we've got to go to Levita. Um, So, you know, these things happen, but this year, we're believing that next week, nothing will happen on Friday night, and we'll be here. We might pray into that through the week, too, and we'll have a moment as a local church family together and to give thanks for all that God has done, and then together... Give with faith and thanksgiving for what we believe God will do in the future. As we approach that time through this week, I encourage you, spend time seeking God. Spend time seeking His heart, seeking His word for your life. I recognize that this may well be a difficult season for some with all that is going on in the world. And that is why we say over and over, this is a heart season. This is about recentering our lives and priorities on Jesus. Each year, Joe and I and the kids love to do this together. We sit down, we we read the information that's available in the flyer, we talk together about it, we pray together about it, and then we each go off to our own solitary remote spaces where there are nobody else there, and we, we ask the kids as well to ask the Holy Spirit to move their hearts and to move and to hear from God. And then we come back together and talk through what we believe God is speaking to us, what we believe our part in this might be. That's just a part of our rhythm. That's just part of how we approach this season. You know, some might be worried about the idea of letting God speak. You know, what, what's God going to say to me? I vaguely recall once when we did this, one of our kids came back and felt that God had given them two numbers. 
Um, he thought maybe it was a million dollars, but he couldn't figure out how we could make that work. Neither could we, obviously. Uh, and the other number they thought maybe God had given them was one dollar. Um, and so, you know, somewhere between one and a million was where we ended up as a family. Um, who knows? But you know, you know what I really believe, though? Do you know what? If you ask God to speak to you in this season, much more likely than he'll say to you, give a million dollars, I believe he'll say that he loves you. I believe you'll hear him say that he gave his son for you, that you are his child, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are his workmanship, that you are chosen, that he longs for close relationship with you. Draw close to God in this time. Spend time with him. And when we respond to God out of a place of intimacy, we are able to move beyond the realm of reason or cynicism or skepticism or doubt, and we are able to place our faith and trust in his hands and respond in worship. Team, could you come up and join me now? It would be great. Because that's what I want to do right now. We're going to worship together again. I've asked the team to do the song uh, that they did last week. It's an older song we haven't done for many years, but really felt it was appropriate in this season, the heart of worship. This song very simply declares that we long to put Jesus at the center of our worship. We want to put Jesus at the center of our hearts, at the center of our lives, and at the center of our giving. That we are so thankful for all that Jesus has done for us, that we long to see him lifted up and worshipped. And it is our hope as a church that this is also what M3 is all about. It is coming back to the heart of worship and putting Christ at the center of it all. If you are able, would you join with us and stand? And I would love to pray. Praise you, Lord God. Praise you, Lord God. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you gave your son for us, that you desire to have close relationship with us, that throughout history, over and over again, you have made ways for us to draw near to you, even in our imperfection, even in our doubt, even in our sin. God, you have made ways for us to come to you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to give your life. And what can we do in response but just say yes to you, God? We say yes afresh. We say yes again to your mission. We say yes again to your calling. We say yes again to, to your desire to see the whole earth filled with the, the knowledge of your gospel and filled with your presence. And we surrender our lives to you again. God, we say that not our will, but yours be done. We pray that your, your will will be done in this place and in our lives right across this nation and right across the world. Have your way in us, Lord God. Continue to speak to us. God, we open our hearts and minds through this week that you would, we would invite your presence to be with us. We would invite your word to speak into our hearts. God, I pray too that you would give us faith even amongst our doubts even amongst the, the struggles and the pain and the suffering that we see around us. God, we lift up our hearts to you. We pray that you would increase our faith. Give us eyes of faith and hearts of compassion for those around us. Help us to show mercy to people even through the week, even as we 
meet with people, whether we know them or don't know them. God, give us the opportunities to be a blessing, to build into other people's lives, to show them the grace and love and mercy and compassion that you have already shown us. And again, God, we pray that you would speak to us. We want to hear from you afresh, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.